Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with your treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life, you'll have all you need, just receive with a willing heart. You'll be set for life, you'll be on your way any day you decide to start. You'll be set for life You'll be set for life He knew his men would fight in victory with total assurance in the promise that God gave them that every man is going down today. Every man's going down today. The men needed to get this in their mind. Everybody's going down, and we need to fight like that. And so Joshua killed the kings and hung them on a tree until evening, and then threw them back in the same hole they'd been hiding in. Now the reason they took the bodies down in the evening is because the law states in Deuteronomy 20 and 22, 21 and 22. It says, If a man has committed a sin deserving of death, and he is put to death, and you hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain overnight on the tree, but you shall surely bury him that day, so that you do not defile the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance, for he who is hanged is accursed of God. So I want to tell you about another king that went through this very same thing. His name is King Jesus. He was hung on a tree. He was hung on a cross because he was accursed of God. He was accursed on our behalf that he could die for our sins, which are deserving of death. And they took Jesus' body down from the cross that evening, according to the law, and buried him. But I want to show you something about the kings that Joshua killed and buried real quick. It said in Joshua 10 and 27, it says, They cast them into the cave where they had been hidden and laid large stones against the cave's mouth, which remain until this very day. And so we see that the stones of their burial remained. Their stones stayed there, keeping their tomb sealed shut. Now I want you to look at the difference in King Jesus in John 20 and 1. Now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. These kings that were buried, these sinful kings, their stones remained. But King Jesus, three days later, his stone is gone. Big difference. And those of you that have been to Israel with me, you've been to that tomb, and that stone's nowhere around, is it? I would always imagine, like you see in the pictures of a tomb with a stone like five feet off to the side, that stone's not there. There's a, there's a track that runs in the ground against the wall where it would, that would have kept the stone there. It's like a little groove. There's no stone there. Either it's demolished and gone, or the angel flung it like a frisbee into the sun. I don't know. It's gone. It's not there. 
And so I want to make a major leadership, leadership moment here, just like Joshua did, to show you. Think about that tomb with the stone rolled away. This is what victory looks like. This is what victory looks like. And if I can just get you to calibrate to this moment that this is what victory looks like, then you can fight the good fight in the victory of Jesus with total assurance in the promise that God gave you that this is what victory looks like. Joshua had to get that into his men's minds. This is how we're fighting from now on. That open tomb is victory. We need to get that down in our minds that that's the victory we fight from. Can we go out and fight like that? This is what victory looks like. Too many of us today are calibrated to the wrong things. And it's got us all out of sync. Some of us are calibrated to money. Some are calibrated to the economy or government. Calibrate to the victory of Jesus Christ being raised from the dead. Calibrate to that and fight your battles from that. I saw in the, in the news that the, major, the, the average lifespan is declining because of despair. They're calibrated to the wrong thing. If you calibrate and get your mind and your spirit, your heart, on the fact that Jesus raised from the dead, you won't succumb to despair. You'll have hope. You'll have something to march from. You'll have assurance. Just like Joshua gave to his men. He gave them assurance. And they went out and tore it up. Friends, we have been given victory through Jesus Christ. Now get out there and tear it up for the gospel. This is what victory looks like. Joshua knew God's promise. And you know, Jesus being raised from the dead, you'll be able to walk with assurance knowing that you will be raised from the dead too. Now that's a promise of God. That if Jesus raised, so do we. Now Joshua knew God's promise and that's what he worked from. And he did not stop until all the work was done. He didn't quit until it was all over with. Because it says in verse 20, Israel made an end of slaying them till they had finished. Until they had finished. Jesus knew God's promise, and so he did not stop until all his work was done either on the cross. Joshua, uh, John 19 and 30, he said, it is finished. It's done, guys. It's finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. You know, there's a lot of similarities between Yehoshua and Yeshua, Joshua and Jesus. Lots of similarities between Yehoshua and Yeshua Jesus. Yeshua Jesus was slayed for our sin nature. Yehoshua, Joshua, slayed a sinful people. Either way, the sin is going down. Either way, the sin is going down. It's either going down on the people or it's going down on the Messiah. You choose how it works out for you. It was dirty work and it was barbaric. It was destructive, but it had to be done. Now, I hope from this comparison between Joshua and Jesus, you can see how destructive sin is. If you've already given yourself to Jesus, this should heighten our awareness to live by keeping with repentance daily. Repentance is a daily thing. You do realize that, I hope. <laughs> it's not, well, I repented 20 years ago, I'm good. No, repentance takes continual work. 
Repent daily. But if you have not given your life to Jesus yet, then please understand that your willful sin is going to leave you dead in a hole in the ground somewhere like those kings. And it ain't going to be nice. You're going to be buried, and those stones are going to remain. And you're never going to rise from that. You'll want to be with Jesus who rose up. Now, I'm not trying to sell you on a church. I'm not trying to sell you on joining. I'm not trying to get your name on a a, a card somewhere so I can email you and say, you now belong to Calvary Chapel Pearland. That's not my job. I'm not trying to do that. I'm trying to tell you how you can have eternal life. And you cannot have eternal life if you're still walking in your sin. Doesn't work. You couldn't get to this church until you left your house. You can't get to Jesus until you walk away from your old life of sin. That's the way it is. He rose from the grave to life, which means death can never have him again. And if you're in Jesus, then you'll rise to life also, and death can never have you either. Now, if I can just make you calibrate onto this, then you'll see that this is what victory looks like. And from this victory, we can walk with assurance through the trials of life. And I say thank you. Jesus, for this immeasurable gift. I don't deserve it in the slightest. Now, I could close this message down right here, and everybody would be okay with it, except for me. So I've got one more thing to say. (laughs) I could have been done, and y'all have been, oh, that was good. Okay, one more thing to say. Why, Why have I got one more thing? Because the context of this story is about Israel. The context is about Israel. The Lord fought for Israel. Now, I made a parallel on what this story means for us, but I do not want to take away from the context that the Lord fights for Israel. If I do that, I'm guilty of what's called replacement theology, where I'm trying to steal from Israel to make it about us, when it's still about Israel. I don't want to do that. Now, I made a parallel for us. Let me put it back to Israel so I can go home and sleep at night. (laughs) The major point here is that God fights for Israel. This past week, hundreds of rockets have been launched at Israel. I have what's called, uh, it's an app in my phone, it's called Red Alert. And it goes off every time somebody launches against Israel, I get an alert. And that sucker has been going off and off and off and off. And it tells you what area the rocket went into as soon as it launches. As soon as they know, they, they alert it and it hits everybody with Red Alert. It's been going off a lot. We've never experienced that kind of hostility in America here. And so people need to understand that the Lord fights for Israel yesterday. He fights for Israel now. And you're really going to see him fight for Israel in the end times. It's coming. And so let's always keep our focus on God's people, the ones that we have been grafted into to receive the grace of Jesus. You know, it gets a little selfish when you're thinking all about yourself all the time. Well, Israel's being attacked. Israel's got rockets being launched to them. And and do you pray for Israel? This church, we're going to keep Israel in your face. We're going to keep Israel in front of you so you don't forget. This is happening over there. What if rockets were plopping down out in that field outside? Would you feel safe here? It's happening in Israel. One way that we can keep our mind on Israel is that whenever you tell people about God, don't just call Him God. False religions call their supreme being God. Don't just call Him God. 
Get specific. Call him by the name that he uses for himself in Exodus 3.15, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Jacob is the man who is renamed to be Israel. Basically, be specific and say God of Israel when you tell people who your God is. Say God of Israel. Refer to him as God of Israel because calling him by this name specifies what God you're talking about. Who you're talking about. If I was going to refer to you, Matthew, I'd say, oh, that guy, that guy always shows up, and that guy in Melissa and all that, and Ben, but that guy, well, wait a minute, I've got a name, it's Matthew. <laughs> that is Matthew. I'm Ray. You can call me by my name. Because when you call somebody by their name, you're specifying a relationship You're specifying you know who this person is. Call him by his name, the God of Israel. When you talk to people about God, tell them who you're talking about. Be specific. Being specific also conveys the covenant that he made with Israel. Now, it's a critical time that we let the world know that the God of Israel fights for Israel. You know how many people are out there that call themselves Christian? that hate Israel. There's a lot of people that hate Israel. and they, It doesn't add up. So when you say, I serve the God of Israel, you watch them either go, oh, bless you, or watch them flare. They'll do one of two things. <laughs> and as soon as they react, you know what you're dealing with real quick. Be specific and call him the God of Israel when you tell people who God is. I just wanted to say this so as not to steal the context away From Joshua 10, I don't want to steal from Israel just to make it about us. It's still about Israel. It always was. It always has been. We're grafted in, and thank God. God says, I bless this people, Israel. I bless them. I fight for them. And hey, you Gentiles, if you want a piece of this, get saved in Jesus, and you can get under that. That's how that works. So the context in Joshua 10 is that God fights for Israel. But I still get to thinking about those kings that were slain for sin and hung on a tree, accursed of God, and then thrown into a tomb and buried. That's what they did to Jesus. And God took out His wrath on Jesus so that it wouldn't have to be taken out on you. God took that wrath on Jesus so that it would not have to be taken out on you. It was put on Him so that you don't have to go through that. And I want you to remember Achan, who sinned against God but would not repent. Joshua 7.26, this was that guy Achan. He would not repent of his sin. It says they killed him. Then they raised over him a heap of stones, still there to this day. But then it says, so the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. What this means is that in order for God to turn from his anger, the accursed must be killed and buried. For God to stop being mad... The sinful has to be killed and buried. But God doesn't want His wrath to burn on you. God doesn't want you to be killed and buried. Why would God want you to be killed and buried? So what He did is He sent Jesus Christ to hang on a tree, accursed in your place, so that He could die and be buried guilty so that you don't have to. Jesus died with that and pulled it down with Him. I remember watching that movie, Aliens or something. That woman had that alien, and she had to go down, and it was the last one. They had to get rid of it, right? 
and that alien was trying to come out. And so she jumped and she went down into this fire pit or something. She was going to die. And the alien tried to get away and it started screeching and screaming. She grabbed that alien and she held it and she wouldn't let it go because she was like, alien, you're going down with me. We're going together. When Jesus died for our sin, your sin was kicking and screaming. No. And Jesus grabbed it and held it and says, you're going down with me. You're going down with me. You're going in the grave. We're going to be buried. And that's the end of you. And Jesus dragged your sin kicking and screaming into the grave so he could do away with it once and for all. But Jesus rose again. And the sin is there to this day. That's how we're made free. Do you want that? If you want that. And if you're suddenly starting to get scared that God's wrath may be against you, here's your way out. It's time to get saved. It's time to be saved in Jesus Christ. And, and, and realize real quick before I close up, realize Jesus did this for you willingly. He didn't have to. He did it because He loves you and He wants to be with you. And He offers this to you for free. You don't have to pay for it. He already did. Remember, He said it's finished. What a good deal. What a good deal. How can you turn this down? How can you not be so, I want it. (laughs) He did this willingly because He loves you. And if this strikes you to the heart, then how about from the heart worship Him and obey Him? You are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you. He did it all for you. Something you couldn't do for yourself. And If you want to be saved, this is time to do it. You've been putting it off. You didn't want to do it. You think it means we're going to put you under some membership thing. You've got to dance around or do some crazy thing. No, that has nothing to do with that. This is you in your chair right where you're at right now. You know you're in, in a wrong place with the Lord. You know you need to get saved. And there's no ceremony. There's no special thing you've got to do. Here's all it is right here. It's time to give your life to Christ and say this. Father, I have sinned. Lord God, I have messed it up. Lord, I deserve a penalty because your law says that those who sin, they have to be killed for it. But Lord, I don't want to be killed for it. I don't want to go down in in eternal condemnation for it. I want to be saved. So forgive me, Lord God, and thank you for offering the gift of grace. Thank you for offering to pass my death penalty off of me and onto Jesus Christ so that he can die with it instead of me dying with it. And that leaves me free. Lord, I give you my life. Thank you for taking care of all this. That I don't have to go to a grave where I stay buried to this day. But I can go to a grave instead where you rose and got out of there. And since death doesn't have mastery over you, it doesn't have mastery over me either. Today I give you my life. Finally. Finally. And you know... Anyone who's praying this right now, you don't have to understand it from A to Z. All you need to know is that Jesus loves you so much, He offered to die in your place. That's it. Make Him Lord. Give your life to Him and follow Him. That's it. You've got to repent. Get away from that old sinful way. But I don't want to give up my sinful way. Then you don't want Christ. But I'm still having my party life. Then you don't want Christ. But I still like my... I want to do it my way, then you don't want Christ's way. you got to make a clear-cut decision. And you may not get that choice tomorrow. 
I hate to be blunt, but Joshua was blunt. You may not get that chance tomorrow. It's time to do it. It's time to do it now. I hope we can all calibrate to the message of Jesus Christ, that He rose from the dead, and this is what victory looks like, and that you can walk forward from here on out with that assurance and conquer as Christ made you to be. Father, I thank You for this message. Lord, um, I did my best. I hope everybody heard it. Lord, I hope somewhere somebody finally took it to heart, finally gave their life to You. They realize sin is so destructive, it's beyond comprehension. It's too big a mess to clean up. We can't. It's too damaging. It hurts not just me, it hurts everybody. It hurts the people I don't want it to hurt. Lord, I pray somebody got saved somewhere, here or on the radio, somewhere, Lord God. Your Word never comes back void. Let Your Word penetrate someone to the heart that they be saved. I thank You for it, Father. Thank You for salvation, and thank You for the story. We ask it. Return back as a blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Real quick story before I get out of here. I was at the coffee shop, and uh, I heard two guys talking about Israel at the table behind me. And they kept talking, and one guy was talking about the gates of hell, the, the cave they threw the sacrifices into, where Jesus called it gates of hell. And I've been there in Israel before. And this guy was trying to explain to this other fella what it looked like. So I've got video on my iPad. So I just brought up the video at that place. And I turned around. And I said, here's what he's talking about right here. <laughs> and I showed him the video. And he goes, oh, I see what. And, and the guy goes, oh, you've been there. I said, yeah, I've been there. He goes, how many times you've been there? It's about three times. He goes, well, come over and talk with us. So I went over and talked with him. And while we were talking, I noticed that the guy I was sitting next to was my social studies teacher over 30 years ago in junior high. And I said, you're Mr. Goodwin, aren't you? He goes, yeah. <laughs> I said, you were my teacher over 30 years ago in junior high. He goes, oh, wow, because we've been talking Bible for an hour and a half. He goes, so what do you do now? I said, I'm a, uh, I'm a pastor. Well, this teacher remembered the hell I gave him. I was a mean boy. I was wrong. And he goes, he goes, what got you from that to pastor? <laughs> and I said, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And he just died laughing. He goes, well, he sure did, didn't he? He really got a hold of you. So I was glad to see him. It was kind of nice catching up, but it gave me a before and after snapshot to look at myself of the messed up weird guy I used to be and who God has made me now. Matter of fact, I remember my, my yearbook, uh, Mr. Goodwin signed in the yearbook to the best student in sixth period who sat next to the wall in the back of the classroom on the left-hand side. I mean, he narrowed it down. It only could have been me, right? He's trying to be nice. But that's the way he was with me. I, he didn't like me, and he remembered me once I identified myself. Oh, I remember you. What changed you? That Jesus Christ, the God of Israel, changed me. Be like that with people. God will bring you back full circle with somebody, and you'll have a chance to show them who you were and who you are now, and they'll see such a comparative change. They'll be like, what did this? You tell them the God of Israel did it. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. 
We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you through a line-by-line, verse-by-verse study in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless, you are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.